0: Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del Proyecto de Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en Espanol, Ingles, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is author and educator Ruben Degollado. Ruben Degollado's work has appeared in Bilingual Review, Revista Bilingüe, Beloit Fiction Journal, Gulf Coast, Hayden's Fairy Review, Image, Relief, and the anthologies Living Beyond Borders and *Neplanta Familias. His young adult novel, Throw, was published in 2019 and won the Texas Institute of Letters and 2020 Award for Best Young Adult Book. Ruben's debut literary novel is titled The Family Izquierdo. Bienvenido a este episodio, Ruben.
1: Gracias por el honor de estar aquí contigo.
0: Ruben, what does it mean for you to grow up and live in the borderlands?
1: Um, I've, I've, lived, I've lived here for most of my life. My family's been here for uh, generations. I'm third generation on one side of the family and second on the other. And for me, living in the borderlands, is it's kind of a complicated thing. And, you know, complicated always... When you say that it sounds like it's bad but it's not bad it's very good mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. So where I live, I live along the, the Mexican- American border and, and what a lot of people don't know is that with if you live 100 miles of the southern border, you if you want to travel north to San Antonio or even anywhere else in the country, you have to pass through a border patrol checkpoint and you have to they ask your question, are you a US citizen? And so there's this this state of always having to almost prove who you are, say who you are, mm-hmm. um, if, if we want to travel to the rest of the country. And and you mentioned in, in the bio, uh, nepatla, you know, that that term, you know, it, it comes from the is it means in between. And so for me to be in between is, I live in this place, beautiful culture, uh, you know, so much to offer here in the Rio Grande Valley and along the border, but it's not quite culturally i wouldn't say it's 100 the united states but it's also not 100 percent mexico so it's this in between state of mind of, of being right so i have a foot in both cultures i can operate in both very well but where i'm most at home is this third place that i live along the border mm-hmm. where i understand who i am i understand my people where we come from but i'm also to i'm also able to uh to, to be able to communicate and understand the you know the the rules and and understand the what it's like to be uh, you know in this country and, and you know be an American um the and the other thing I'll say is that is that I think a lot of what people see here is that the, like the spiritual aspect um, is that we're also we're also living between two worlds you know if we have all these stories uh, along the border here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of the Cucuy and La Mano Peluda, La Llorona. We have yeah. all these stories that for a lot of people, you know, they say it's folktales, but for us, it's it's like our family history. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have a relative that has seen La Llorona. So when I say borderlands, it's not just physical borderlands. We're also talking spiritual borderlands as well.
0: That's a great description. And I de- definitely identify with the Neplantera identity right uh, grew, growing up in on, on the borderlands but on the other side in Matamoros, but crossing you know going um being so familiar with the uh, sort mm-hmm. of going b- back and forth no al otro lado and then the checkpoint uh, I, it always is a reminder right of who you are
1: <laughs> yeah and and whether
0: and whether, sure. and whether uh, the officers on that given day, um, are, are happy with uh, the way you answered or um, they ask you for, for uh, identification,
1: right? Yeah. And it, and it never feels normal. Like I, I travel for work all the time. I'm always going to San Antonio, Austin, you know, Houston, all these places. And and every time there's always a little bit of, uh, you know, not, not fear, but there's a little trepidation there. Right. Um, and, and it never feels normal, and I don't think it should in some ways. But also, I I just answer the question because you know I understand that that's the way things are, and I and I just need to go about my business. But like I said, it's it's always a reminder. You 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 put it very well,
0: uh, Ruben. On Twitter, you often share about publishing or becoming a fiction author at an older age, and this. It uh, does bring me a lot of hope because I do have a, a, a novel there that I've been writing for the past few years that I keep putting aside and then come back to it. um And, and then I think, you know, oh my goodness, I'll be in my fifties before this this uh, is completed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So tell us about this this journey.
1: Well, you know, I share that it gives a lot of people hope. And every time I say that, you know someone new will say it and like hey i or see it and they'll say yeah i needed to hear that and so i think it's very important for for writers to to share their journey because there's this myth that you know a writer is born and you know we this whole idea of of the mythical young author debut author that comes on the scene out of nowhere and 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 that's really just you know, maybe that's an exception. Maybe it does happen, but I would say it's an exception to the rule. So my my I guess my journey started in college, and I I think my first published short story was uh, in the college journal, literary journal, and I won second place and I got twenty bucks and I was super excited. <laughs> like I'm like this is the beginning of my literary career, right? So I got twenty dollars for getting that prize and and uh, I had all these hopes. So I wrote a novel a couple years later I wrote it when I was a teacher uh, you know I spent a whole summer writing it and I had a first draft and I had a couple of people read it and they told me it was good and I sent it out it got rejected and I sent it out again and I got rejected and it, it ended up getting rejected I, I don't even remember how many times but it was quite a few times and um at that point uh, i just said well you know what i'm going to put it aside for a while and i'm going to write short stories and so i got short stories published in literary magazines every couple of years or so what ended up happening was that the book never got published never got published and then around 2015 so many many years later Mm -hmm. 2015 i i uh, sent it out um, and it ended up getting you know, it published a few years later, one of my, my public like the last, it was actually, I, I told myself, I said, this is the last time I'm going to send it out. I'm going to work on something else. This is it last time. And the last time uh, was, was the one. And, and it was, I ended up placing it with a great, a great editor, uh, Greg Wolf from snap Books. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you mentioned in my bio, it, it, it went on to win the Texas State Institute of Letters Award, and uh, it was on several lists, and it was a small press book. It wasn't, you know, a big five publisher by any stretch of the imagination, and it did well. I think it did, I think it did far better than a lot of people thought it would, um, and, and was funny <laughs> is that people started calling, I, you know, I was doing interviews, and they're like, tell me about your historical fiction, and I, I just laughed because it wasn't historical fiction when I wrote it. <laughs> it was very, <laughs> It was very contemporary, but it ended up being this novel set in the 90s mm-hmm. and getting published, you know, decades later, 25 years later or So,
0: so. So it became historical because it waited a little bit to be published. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it waited a lifetime to be published and it became historical, historical fictions, nostalgic, a lot of people yes, called it. retro. So- <laughs> yeah so it, it did well and then it gave me courage to to try to find an agent for this book I had in the wings mm-hmm. which which was kind of like simultaneously uh written uh was the the family izquierdo. so I I submitted that five times and I got an agent on or 12 times and I got an agent on the fifth try and the other ones of course I didn't even I didn't even, you know, I just told them that I got, I got an agent and, you know, so it, and then the book sold within six months. So it was relatively fast. So I, you know, I went 25 years, I got one book published. And then within two years, I got the second book published and it was, it was It was like a long long time waiting and then boom it all happened like very fast and so i just encourage people because i I was 48 when the first one got published or 47 or so and then and then 50 when with the second book Mm -hmm. so people don't give up don't believe the myth that you have to be 30 you know if it doesn't happen by the time you're 30 or 35 or whatever it's never going to happen because that's just not true
0: i also like that you're sharing right how many times a um a a piece of work right a a creative work or i'm in academia so you know our articles um sometimes get rejected or like rejection as part of the the game right it
1: It is part of the game it's part of it people people need to realize that
0: right and it's not for the for the faint what is it faint of heart but we don't talk about it, right? We don't talk about that being normal. So it's it's um, it's good to hear um, and to normalize that if that you know work that you did that you worked so uh, so much on does not gets rejected or doesn't get published with this or this other uh, press um, that there's there still might be a home for it somewhere else, right? And um, and I, so thank you for sharing sort of that journey of, like, getting this, the first novel published. And then how well it did, right? It got an award, which is uh, even more, you know, the story of success that um, that we want to hear <laughs> with with something like this, right? Um, so The Family Izquierdo is your first literary novel. Tell me about writing this book. And you said sort of you started writing it right after... Um, you know you were done with the with the first one uh, after the first one came out so tell me about that
1: it very long process also about 25 years worth of stories and so the 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 first novel throw was actually started out as a short story um, and it featured this this family Cirilo izquierdo is the main character of my first book mm-hmm and um it was it was supposed to have been one story and and just stories i was writing about this one family so i wrote the first story uh to rocco which is the first chapter that appears in the novel and i got that published in hated's fair review and i want to say 97 or so right around 97 98 um and then i just kept writing stories like I experimented. Every writer will write things that you know. Though I, I started a science fiction novel, which I never finished. But anyway, so I st- I kept writing stories about this one family, and I kept coming back to them. And I, and you know what is this? What is this the at the party have to say? What is her life like? And what is that uncle? And so m- as I did it over, I guess a period of like five years maybe 10 years later i had enough for a a collection at the time was is what i was doing it but what i found was it was it was telling individual stories of individual family members but it was telling a longer overarching story about this family who's been cursed by a jealous brujo across the street or in the neighborhood there and um and he starts to, you know, the family starts to see all these ramifications of the curse, and anything that's bad happens in their life, they blame it to the curse, blame it on the curse rather. Um, and so, like I said, probably like ten years later, I had enough for for that, and I, I started submitting that also, and they got rejected, but then I, like I said, I placed it with the right agent, um, and she liked it. My my amazing agent Tamar Radzinski. Liked it, and she saw what I was trying to do, and she's like, "I think this book is going to do really well." Um, and so, like I said, it it got it got picked up within within six months uh, of, of sending it out on submission with uh, Norton and my my editor. You just have to find the right person. I think that's the thing too. Is like, you have to find the right people, and and not take when you get rejected, it's not that the work isn't good. Uh, it's that it, it just hasn't found the right person, and that that's the that's the beauty of of writing is that my books, the things I write, they can speak very very much to certain people. Other people, they it won't speak so much to them. But that's that's why there's many different authors, and that's why every author is has their own niche and they have their own group of of readers that are really going to resonate with with the, what they're doing.
0: Right, uh, Ruben, the novel centers. Uh, on the lives of three generations of Mexican American uh, of the Mexican American family, and in my opinion, it incorporates many cultural components. You just mentioned El Brujo, right? Um, mm-hmm. Beliefs and practices associated with with this community, Mexican American community, border communities. Why is it important for you to tell these stories, especially as you you know you just mentioned sort of? some of the stories really connect well with, with, a, with a group of people and maybe not so much with others. But there's still an opportunity for us to, to read, to enjoy, to learn, right? Uh, for those mm-hmm. um, that maybe identify as, as outsiders to that um, community or culture.
1: The way I always describe it is that I'm writing... I'm writing. A, I'm trying to write a story. Anything. Anything I write with this novel. Let's talk about this novel. So, mm-hmm. I tried to write a novel for everyone, and regardless of culture, regardless mm-hmm. of if you know Spanish or not, if you're bilingual, um, because all of us have, you know, not all of us, but most of us have experience with family in some form or fashion. You know, we, we've had, we have uncles and aunts and siblings and cousins, perhaps. Um, and you're going to see family dynamics. And so I wrote it for everyone. However, I wrote it to Mexican Americans and, and specifically to Mexican Americans that, that live along the border and share a lot of these border cultural things. And so I will put in, you know, a detail or a word that only certain people are going to get. And And, and when they read it, it's gonna evoke some kind of emotion that makes them think about their family, makes them think about their past. But they're also, you know, there's also a universal story that I'm trying to tell about about redemption, about love, about hope, about family, forgiveness, also dealing with very uh, tough topics like mm-hmm. mental illness, uh, mental health, um, dealing with things that I think everybody, you know, have some stake in somewhere. Um, but but at the end of the day, it's it's too to my gente, you know, I'm trying to write stories for them. And so, you know, when I when I put in those cultural components that you mentioned, um, it's a lot of people have read it that, that are not from the culture, like, wow, I really learned something. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, I, I want, you know, one of the things I wanted to do with this book is, is if people didn't know uh, anything about Mexican Americans or people a- along the border, I wanted to tell a different story. Um, because what they hear in the media, what they see, oftentimes, it's, you know how it is, right. it's about the carteles, it's about mm-hmm. the violence, it's, it's about this, it's about that. But there's this beautiful culture that we have down here that a lot of people are just not aware of. And I, and I wanted to bring that to the forefront. Also wanted to show that, you know, there's a lot of spirituality in our gente, you know, whether that be Catholicism, whether that be charismatic Christianity, you know, brujería, curanderismo, and I was like, how are all these things working together um, in our culture? So, I, you know, just putting those all together just to show people that there's there's a, a, just a spectrum of, of beliefs, but also cultural aspects that people are maybe not aware of.
0: Right, right. Um, Ruben, Luis Alberto Urrea said that you have, and I'm quoting here, written an open-hearted work of witness, love, and triumph. We have come far, and this brave novel reminds us of where we have to go. Anyone with a family will find themselves in these pages. What does this praise mean to you, Ruben? I mean, and you describe, I I really like what you said about um, reaching, right, um, a wider audience, but also connecting with, with the people along the borders.
1: Well, on uh, it means a lot on on two different levels. Well, probably more than that, but the two that I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first level is Luis Alberto Alberto Rea is he's a master storyteller right. and and uh, I he he's my favorite author and when I read his work, I just like okay yeah I need to stop writing <laughs> he's so good like I'll never be that good but I so he's and he's not only is he a great, he's an amazing writer, but he's also a great supporter. And so I reached out to him, this unknown guy, you know, this unknown author with my free, he, he quote, he quoted for my, or he blurred my first book. And then I reached out to him again. He, he blurbed the second book. So he's just so generous. He's been so generous to me and and, you know, provided so much insight into into the work that he he's really gotten to the heart of what i'm trying to do so that's one level that you know i really respect him as as an author and as a as a just as a generous human in in all aspects of of the word Um, and then on the second level the the other thing that he saw was was the triumph is that even though this family is dealing with very hard things things that you know maybe not all families have to deal with they at the end they there's triumph they 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 celebrate life they celebrate each other and regardless of what happens they're always there for one another and i was reading uh, and i don't i don't recommend this for authors but i did i did peek at a goodreads review um and and one of the things that the person said was that the reader said that it was th- there was no other word they could describe it rather than tender Mm. um and so when I when I read that phrase open-hearted work of love witness love and triumph uh, I I I I think a lot of the reason why that is or why someone would characterize it as being tender is that they they've seen what I've tried to do which is paint each character with a very loving brush Mm. and so I I write these characters and I love every single one of them even the even the antagonist, uh, Contreras, I love him too. You know, I love them all. And I try to write them in such a way that um, it, that comes through on the page is what I'm trying to do. Right, and so
0: that must be, must give you the f- feeling of a job well done, right? When they describe your work as tender or um, open-hearted. Yes.
1: And, and then it's love. Like What I wanted to do was like, okay, here's this family. I want you to feel like you're a part of this family. I want you to, you've been invited to the 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 pachanga. Mm-hmm. You know, the fajitas are on the grill. The music is playing. Come on in, get a plate, grab a tortilla, make a taco, enjoy your time. But you're also going to experience the heartache with us as well mm-hmm. because you are family.
0: Ruben, uh, thank you so much for this uh, conversation.
1: It has been such a pleasure, Elena. I appreciate you reaching out to me and, and talking to me today.
0: Yes. Good luck with the with the new novel. I can't wait uh, for that to come out. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.